Hello and welcome to A History of Christian Theology. My name is Chad Kim. This week it'll be a conversation between Tom and Trevor and I, and we will discuss some of the hymns which are associated with Ambrose of Milan. As you may know from past episodes, Ambrose of, Mil- Ambrose of Milan was a bishop in Milan, uh, and he is a convert to Christianity in his adult life. And one of the things that makes uh, Ambrose so significant is uh, his importation and creation of hymnody for the Christian church. So St. Augustine tells us that it was Ambrose uh, who essentially um, sort of created the the Western idea of a hymn. Uh, so a lot of our notions about hymns and singing in church uh, go back to uh, the early 5th century uh, and the person of Ambrose of Milan, and actually late 4th century. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. I also wanted to say thank you to Claire Bowman, who just became a, a Patreon supporter of the podcast. So she, she joins a crew of other people uh, who are making donations to help keep this podcast live uh, and keep it uh, available even in the entire back catalog. And I also recently had a question from another listener who has started back from the beginning, um, and she was asking me about Origin and and some of like the history of the relationship between Origin and uh, later thought. So I know that people are still going back into that back catalog and are benefiting from uh, the entirety of our uh, of our conversations over these last many years. Um, it's hard to believe we're. Uh, drawing on uh, six years, actually seven years of doing this podcast. So um, yeah, so I think uh, I appreciate all of the support that people give. Um, If you have questions, please uh, do message us on facebook.com or on Twitter um, and uh, let us know uh, if you, if you know, if you'd have other questions or other suggestions and rate us, review us on iTunes, consider joining and supporting us on Patreon. Uh, I have some conversations that I'm really excited coming up. I have a conversation with Hannah Nation about Chinese Christianity, a uh, conversation with uh, Mike Habits about heaven um, Mike McClymond about hell. And uh, so we, we've got a lot of stuff coming up for you. And maybe in a little bit far distant future, uh, Stanley Hauerwas has also agreed to come on the show. So uh, a lot of stuff coming up. Thanks for listening. Um, and so here's the conversation on Ambrose and hymns. Well, one thing I'll throw in is that just so that everybody knows kind of the motivation behind mm-hmm. this podcast last week, or well, we were recording a couple weeks ago. And we were just reflecting on the question of what prayer and worship looked like in the early church. So we, we've been kind of motivated by that question, a little bit more of the praxis and a little bit less of the theology. And so that was partly the goal. Um, if there's one thing I have gathered, Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we don't have a lot of really detailed descriptive work on early church prayer, early church, uh, hymn, 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 hymnody, early church liturgy. I mean, you see it, it's referenced and you can learn things from it, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of work that we have like, uh, like on prayer specifically or on hymnody or on liturgy. Yeah. So that's right. So they don't seem to, in in some respects, they don't seem to reflect directly on it in that way. Like there's not like a work on hymnody <laughs> uh, or on liturgy even um, or something. 
so which is kind of an interesting way to think about it there they do uh, early christians do think about the lord's prayer and we do know things like uh, someone has basically reconstructed Augustine's lectionary from all of his preaching. And Augustine, so like the practice of like, so in the Catholic Church and in the Episcopal Church and in more uh, liturgical churches, they read uh, something from the Old Testament, something from the Psalms, something from the Gospel and something from the letters, basically. Um, and that seems to have been true for Augustine. Um, and you know, we could, we get pretty close to figuring out what his lectionary is. Um, we, that there, you know, we know things about like, we know what the prayer was. Um, we call sometimes it's called the great Thanksgiving. Um, and Augustine references this quite a bit. Um, we know Augustine prayed a prayer after his sermons, uh, the same prayer, uh, because the note, sometimes, sometimes his note taker writes down the prayer and sometimes he doesn't, but when he writes it down, he just writes down the exact same prayer. <laughs> um, let us turn to the Lord. <laughs> Deum. Um, so we know some of those kind of things. Um, on the other hand, like I, I would say that like one of the things that we, we sort of forget is that in some respects, all, um, a lot of the theological debates are a response to what's going on in worship. Like the reason that Basil of Caesarea talks about, he wrote a treatise on the Holy Spirit. And the reason the Holy Spirit became so important was they said, well, look, we pray uh, to God, the father through the God, the Holy son by the Holy Spirit. Um, we say that phrase all the time. So that must mean those are one and the Holy Spirit's part of it. It's a reflection on how they prayed. Um, and yeah. that that will happen. So, you know, uh, Cyril gets really mad about the Christotokos because apparently the Alexandrians called Mary Theotokos in worship. <laughs> um, and so they so it was like, well, if she's Christotokos and not Theotokos, our worship's wrong. <laughs> mm. um, uh. And. And then in response, uh, Theodoret, and this is some, a position I make, he'll say, well, look, you think that I'm talking about two Christs, but I'm not. I worship, and he says this, I worship one Christ. In worship, we say one Christ. Um, and so it's like, so some of the debates of the early church are actually not all that far afield from even like in my church growing up when we had the debate over contemporary music versus uh, uh, traditional hymns. You know, why Why is that so integral to people? Well, it's because it's in your bones. How What you say, how you pray, the words that you use, the the uh, your understanding of worship is just so deep uh, in your connection to God that when someone says it's wrong or it's not quite right or you're using the wrong words, it is deeply, deeply troubling. Um, so... Such a good point. And, you know, you know, Chad, as I reflect on the hymns we've read for this for this discussion, like, I mean, I feel bad, but I'm reading them. And I'm like, I don't find these very interesting hymns. Uh, when I think about when I compare them with the hymns that I adore, some of the ones you brought up, Blessed Assurance, Be Thou My Vision, Come Thou Fount, uh, and Can It Be, um, you know, when I think of the great hymns that I revere. They are full of Protestant theology, right? They're very, I mean, certainly lots of it that is Christian theology, much of what can be can be adhered to by 
anybody who, who names the name of Christ, Catholic, Orthodox. But at the same time, there's an emphasis on certain things. And, and here's another thing. There's a rejection of certain things. I, I always go to St. John's, the Catholic cathedral here in Boise, for midnight mass on Christmas because I just think it's beautiful. And I try as much as possible to take part in the liturgy. But there are always moments where I remain silent, right? Anything that is a prayer to Mary, anything that is any of the hymns that they sing that might include something about Mary, I refrain, right? That kind of a thing. Um, and so it's like when I when I read, you know, some of these hymns and, and I noticed that today it's like there's theology in it that I can't embrace and that indeed is offensive to me, like. Um, and so one of the things that I did notice here, I don't think there was anything in any of these hymns that I could, that I would reject like as being false, but there was certainly like a reverence of the Virgin Mary um, and maybe even some assertions that I would go, nope, that's not true, right? That is not okay. And, and would not resonate in my uh, like emotive like faculties uh, when singing, because because that's what offense is, right? Offense means you like emotionally, it's creating a repulsive sense rather than a uh, um, like a, a connection, right? I'm I'm re repudiating, I'm rejecting, and so it, it's you know, hymnody is going to obviously um, what it says is going to have uh, that kind of a connection with people, right? Well, let's uh, let's read a little bit. Um, so the Tedeum may be the most famous, um, and I teach this. So, <laughs> what what's sort of funny? Uh, I am a uh, I'm an assistant professor of theology and classical languages. I teach at a Catholic seminary. Um, and so one of the things that I try to do for my Catholic students uh, is go through the uh, Latin prayers of their church. So I am the very weird uh, Southern Baptist uh, raised boy uh, who teaches the Catholics how to pray in Latin um, <laughs> <laughs> and what they're saying when they do it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is a weird, uh, a weird role. Um, <laughs> But um, so I know the Te Deum pretty well because we use this one uh, when we pray. Um, but so, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to read it real quick. Um, and but one thing that's sort of funny when I, I tell them what they're saying, but I don't always know when they use it in their liturgy because I don't follow the Catholic liturgy as close, obviously. So I have to say, oh, wait, when do you use this? Um, and, and, and then they tell me. <laughs> Um, oh God, we praise thee. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord, everlasting Father. All the earth doth worship thee. To thee, all the angels, the heavens, and all the powers, all the cherubim and seraphim unceasingly proclaim, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of the majesty of thy glory. The glorious choir of the apostles, the wonderful company of prophets, the white-robed army of martyrs praise thee. Holy Church throughout the world doth acknowledge thee, the Father of infinite majesty, thy adorable true and only Son, and the Holy Spirit the Comforter. O Christ, thou art the King of glory, thou art the everlasting Son of the Father. Um, I, I guess 
I mean, you can read these online, but that gives you an idea of the tedeum. Uh, in Latin, tedeum laudamus, tedeum, uh, te dominum confitemur, te aeternum patrem omnis terra veneratur, tibi omnis angeli, tibi celi et universe potestates, tibi cherubim et seraphim, incessabili voci proclamant, sanctus, 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 dominus deus sabaoth. Um, you know, they're like, so that's, that's how it would have been in Latin. That's how, uh, Ambrose may have composed it. Although now we think it's this other guy. Some people think it's this other guy, Nicetus. Uh, but regardless, that's one of these prayers. Um, I don't think there's anything in this one, uh, that would be like against Catholic pi or against Protestant, uh, understandings. Um, it's the, it's usually the Virgin I suspect was the, uh, issue, uh, you know, and some of the things that are said about the Virgin and another one. Uh, but, but that's, that's the Tedeum. Yeah. The Tedeum was good. I didn't mean every one of the prayers. I just, there was a couple of them where I, I, I wasn't really, it wasn't bad. It just, it's not going to resonate. Um, with me in the same in the same way uh you know and might even have kind of like a create a sense of hesitancy right so yeah this reminds me uh like i've read a lot of like um celtic hymns before and for some reason just some of the imagery in this one the constant reaffirming of like all the beings that exist that worship God and the repeating of the Trinity in different ways. It reminds me a lot of Celtic like hymns that I've seen. Um, so that was like my one sort of just gut reaction to this one. I found that kind of interesting. Um, yeah. In the Yam Surgit Tertia Ora, so uh, now arise on the third hour, that's the one, like, there is a line, uh, thus teaching that her bridal pact concealed this mystery profound, the virgin's sacred birth would not impair the mother's chastity. Uh, so there is this sort of question about the perpetual virginity of Mary uh, that, that sort of um, comes into play here, uh, but... But, you know, it's like one of the interesting things is we, we have talk of the Trinity, like Trevor just said. We have this, you know, again, recognition of this central thing. You know, in one sense, what we read from Basil of Caesarea earlier this year uh, is a kind of reflection on the Trinity. But here, uh, Am uh, Ambrose puts it in the hymn form so that everyone can sing it. Now, they may not all be able to explain it. They may not all be able to have the debate that Basil uh, can surely have, but everyone prays uh, in this way concerning the Trinity. Uh, there's another one that talks about the two natures of Christ. Um, and so there's a sort of, again, you have like, and that this is long before. Uh, so, uh, veni, uh, veni redemptor gentium, come, uh, come Christ, the redeemer of the earth. Uh, I think that's where, uh, they, they talk about, I'm trying to find, uh, the the um oh yeah so a giant in twofold substance one rejoicing now his course to run so you also have this reflection on uh christ's twofold nature long before the acts of chalcedon uh you know we have this sort of incipient understanding that somehow in christ there is humanity and divinity united 
Um, and so like, I think, uh, that's, that's again, important, even just understanding the nature of the councils, the nature of the councils, the nature of these sort of, uh, uh, important teachings is that they come after the fact, like these are long present in how Christians worship in how Christians understand themselves. But then they just think, Hey, look, we need to solidify exactly what we mean by these terms. So we make sure we're all on the same page and thus enters these debates. So I think it's also important to remember that those are always after the fact. Uh, but yeah. By the way, that reality, what you just said is one of those things that I, if there was one thing that I would like to just get down to the kind of common level to everyone in America or around the world, not just America, but it's like there's nothing more tedious and tiring. Now, granted, 99% of the time this appears, it appears from people, and I don't mean to be pretentious and to talk down, but who don't have any idea what they're talking about, right? We live in we live in the 21st century America where everybody thinks they're an expert on literally everything and they tweet it till kingdom come. Uh, but I mean, how many people who, who have no association uh, or have never read one lick of, of early Christian theology, don't know anything of the history, will tweet something about some factoid that they got, right? Um, about how Christians didn't believe in the Trinity until 325 A.D., or something like that, right? They'll go, oh, I'm, I'm not a Christian because nobody even believed in the Trinity until the until 300, year, 300 AD. And it's like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. And what's really annoying about that is this kind of stuff is perpetrated by people who can know better, know better right? People who like, they. I almost think they're bad faith actors where they're like, hey, we can put out, we can phrase this in such a way where it's kind of true, but people will totally misunderstand it and run with it. Because I see it all the time on accounts from people who are either supposed to be scholars in a field or journalists, of course. I've seen journalists pick up random things and, and run with them as well. And it's like, look, when you talk about councils <laughs> trying to determine things like, what is the nature of the Trinity? What is the nature of Jesus's... Uh, of the incarnation what is what constitutes actual holy scripture they are absolutely taking into consideration a long-standing tradition of which we have many examples that support the tradition right you i mean you don't have to read much to know that a huge percentage of people in the 200s who were christians believed in the trinity right i mean you don't it's like just Find the literature and read it. It's the language that they were using. Um, and so it, it, it's a it's really frustrating. So it's it's a really good point, Chad, just that you look at the hymnody and you can see the theology even before it's determined by some council. Uh, I do want to add one more thing, Chad, just because you brought up the one the the verse there in Yam Surgit Tertia. Uh, I do want to also point out that in uh in Veni Redemptor in that song. There's also another thing that seems to perpetuate uh, the uh, the notion of the perpetual virginity. And that's uh, in the third verse. It says, the virgin's womb that burden gained, its virgin honor still unstained. Um, and again, I disagree with that. So if I'm going to sing a hymn where there's a doctrine that I don't agree with, that's going to always set with me a little incorrectly. But I, I also have, see Protestant hymns and worship songs that have doctrines that I disagree with. I think my big concern is when 
when I sing a Catholic hymn is that at times it sounds like I'm also in a sense singing an honorific to the Virgin, which for me that, and like, I don't mean offense at Catholic listeners or Orthodox listeners, but as a Protestant, that strikes me as impious. And so for me, I have just that emotional reaction against that, which these two hymns, I don't know that they necessarily carry that on, but I felt just a hint of it. Yeah. Uh, I had one question about these overall, and it's because I see it in a lot of the hymns that I sing today, too. So maybe you can answer this for me, Chad, or maybe you'll be like, I don't know. But why is it pretty customary? Uh, and it, I think it's in three of these to end specifically uh, with the Trinitarian formula in some way. Mm. I, I don't other than that that that's always the practice that, but yeah, okay. I mean, whenever i mean in in all roman catholic prayer you end in the, uh, you know the senior crucis in nomine patris et fili et spiritus sancti um i mean that's just like every prayer should end with that like trinitarian uh i mean i yeah that, i don't know okay that was kind of my theory was it's just because you begin it's often like you begin and end prayers that way and uh in the trinitarian formula so i was wondering if like that was why you ended a hymn that way is because it was like mm. ending, ending the prayer. Okay. I will add uh, Trevor. Don't forget. We have read a lot of theology over these last, I mean, at this point, several years, um, because especially as we've started getting much slower at, at producing content, that is me and Trevor on the me and Trevor side. Chad, <laughs> Chad maintains a, a pretty robust content production, but um, is that the stuff we've read and I've actually lamented this in previous episodes is almost always obsessed with Trinitarian formulation. So it clearly is on the forefront of everybody's minds. <laughs> I think it's it's cool. I think when I first when we first did this podcast too, I was a little bit obsessed with the Trinity at the time. So Yeah. Uh, whereas now I am sort of like, this is a well-worn topic in my brain. <laughs> but yeah. it, it makes sense. It definitely is one of the most unique things about Christianity and probably in their culture at the time would have been one of yeah. the most unique things about their religion. But yeah. Well, uh, I enjoyed talking about something and reading something a little different. I do encourage all listeners to read them just as a piece of it, you know, sort of interest. Um, also, uh, there's a line attributed to Augustine, although uh, from what I can tell, he never actually said it, um, it which is uh, qui bene cantat bis laudat. Um, so whoever uh, sings well praises twice. Um, and so you sort of do double duty of your honor and praise to God if you sing it. Um, and so it seems fitting with Augustine's overall theology, but I don't know that he ever actually made the quip. Uh, but 